Well, let me introduce who this strange-looking guy is that's been up here doing all these things, and uh, I really thank the music team for having put it together the music. Uh, the person, I guess, that does the normal music is not here, so it was kind of neat. You guys knew that I didn't, so it was fun. It was great. I was watching that up there, and uh, it actually helped a little bit. I've done just about everything up here from lead to singing, but then by the time I get to the end of the message, I'm like, waiting for the hay at the end of the horse trowel, you know. <coughs> Those people on the farm know what I mean by that, okay. So this strange guy here in front of you, um, Sharon and myself are here. Um, we live not too far from here um, in southern Jersey, and uh, I am an Awana missionary. If you know what Awana is, Awana is a youth ministry for churches that have youth. I see a lot of youth here. And so we need to get some youth in this church, right? And so what I do is I go in and I teach people and train them how to run a youth program in their churches. And it's running from ages 2 through 18. Uh, it is international. We are in 134 countries. And um, here in the States, there's about 70, 65 of us missionaries that are in charge of different areas. I'm in charge of all of New Jersey and part of Pennsylvania. Yes, I do a lot of traveling. Yes, I am on the road almost seven days a week. And uh, it's kind of a blessing. And so I get the privilege to, to preach God's word in many of the Awana churches and many of the non-Awana churches and to be able to say, this is what we do. And so that's great. And um, so uh, <clears throat> we want to just thank you so much for the privilege it is to be here today uh, to share God's word with you. And uh, of like-mindedness, uh, it will be awesome because at the end I understand there is a, a meeting downstairs for what they call the snack and chat thing. I think that's kind of cool. I like that. I'm not sure which one goes first, if you snack and chat or if you chat and snack. Whatever it is, don't get me while my mouth. No. <laughs> that's awesome. As you could tell, it's right. We just have fun doing what we do, right? And so... I usually ask for, in the middle of a message, a volunteer from the youth department, so we don't have that. So I'm not sure if any of the, you were feeling youthful. Maybe we can do that, but we'll see. I've been known to do things on my own. Well, you might be able to help me on that, right? That'll be good. And so you might learn how to be an expert in certain things that, that we have up here. That'll be good. You don't have to say a word. You know, it's, you don't have to sing, nothing. So it's like... <laughs> people are praising the Lord no <laughs> and, and that's fine you can sing if you want to <laughs> I don't know if there's any song that will go to the way I'm going to do so that'll, that'll be kind of that'll be kind of cool alright <clears throat> so in your bulletin you have seen that uh, the title of our message today is finishing the course and if you'll turn in your Bibles to uh, Second Timothy, uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 4 in a few moments. Um, I do have a question as we begin. that's um, going to kind of set the stage for you. Now, I did tell Nick over there, and it, we're going to see a, a minute and a half video somewhere close to the end of, of this. Okay, it'll be, it'll be fine. You'll be able to hear it, um, and that'll be good. But I did tell him that I like to move around. I usually have a lapel mic, and can you pick me up here a little bit? You can. And so that'll be good. I kind of walk around. I understand that your previous pastor walked around and that he had a lapel mic and that he destroyed it because he did all that. 
So I'm not going to want to destroy that as well. So. But I do have a very important question as we begin our message today on finishing the course. So the question is this. Have you ever thought about what God will say to you when you have finished the course of your earthly life? As you enter into eternity, what will you hear? My guess is that there is two possible answers. Will you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Or will you hear, depart from me, I never knew you. For too many people today, that is a devastating question and one they cannot truthfully answer or answer accurately. But this morning, we're going to look into God's word, the Bible. And we're going to find out what God has to say about preparing us for finishing the course and doing it well. My prayer is that by the end of our time together, you will be part of that first group. The group that will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter now thou into the joy of thy Lord. As we consider his call this morning to us, Let's go before the throne. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the privilege of standing on this podium and sharing your word. Would you take me out to the middle? We've come here to see Jesus. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now, Father, we pray for the one who needs to hear your voice this morning. We need to hear... We need to pray for the one right now who needs to hear, well done, thou good and faithful, at the end of their earthly life to finish that course. But then there are probably some that are in group number two, Lord, that need to hear your words. Why don't you come to Jesus? So, Father, we give this time to you, asking you to lead us. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you enjoy sports? You know, on TV, you don't have to play them, but you enjoy sports. There's basketball, there's baseball, there's football, hockey. Some of those seasons have just finished. Some of them are just starting. Some of them are in, in break. And then there's track. Wait a minute, track? Have you ever turned on the TV and watched a track meet? Probably not. You have. That are very good. Okay? So you could probably tell me some of the things about track. Now, can I tell you a secret? I used to be the track coach when my kids were in Christian school. And we have four daughters, and they're all grown now. They have godly husbands. And when they were in school, they were in Christian school, and, and three of the four were close in age. And so three of them were in high school at the same time, and they were on the track team. And their father was the track coach. And we, we kind of talked about track and we're going to do something later on about track and you'll see why I brought that up. But we're going to look at right now the example of Paul as the faithful servant in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4. As he is in his final testimony, Paul is in prison when he's writing 2 Timothy. And he's writing to encourage his Brother in the Lord, who he led to the Lord, and that is Timothy. Now, how do we know that he led Timothy to the Lord? Because in 1 Timothy and in 2 Timothy, both in chapters 1, he refers to Timothy as my son in the faith. Do you have a son 
in the faith? Do you have a daughter in the faith? Are you a daughter or are you a son in someone else's life? I pray so. Because that means you would have led someone to the Lord as their Savior. Or have been led to the Lord by someone who says, you're my son or my daughter in the faith. And so now Paul is writing to Timothy to encourage him because this is his final testimony in chapter 4. And so he simply says, for I am ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day. And not to me only, but unto them also that love his appearing. Paul was looking forward to his appearing. That day that would come. He was looking forward to the Lord's return. Are you? And so he was preaching his last testimony to encourage Timothy. Paul also addressed the Ephesian people in Acts. We won't need to turn there. But he was serving through many tears and temptations along his journey. And he says in uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 24, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You see, Paul understood that the Christian life was one big SOS. Struggles, obstacles, suffering. And through these three, he ministered to the people he was encouraging. He then wrote many of the epistles to encourage Christians to persevere in their being faithful to the end. May I challenge you to keep the faith and to endure to the end? We are called by God to run the race faithfully and do it to the end. Are you keeping the faith? to finish your course with joy? Are you running your race to endure your course to the end faithfully? We've looked at the faithful servant in Paul. Let's look at faithfulness rewarded. In some sports, the game clock counts down to zero. In the race that we're in, there is no clock on the wall. It's called the game of life or the race of life. And at any moment, God could call time. Then what? Where will you spend eternity? Paul knew he was waiting for the Lord's return. And he was waiting for that ultimate prize, that crown of righteousness, which the Lord would give to him on that day. So in Philippians, one of the epistles he wrote he was writing to encourage the believers at Philippi about the ultimate prize. He said in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 14, I pressed toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 
So the prize here is eternal life in heaven. Now let's talk about how we finish that race, how we can get that prize, how we can get that crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to us on that day. I use the example of our track. Now, I brought something that you may remember what it looks like. It's a baton, okay? And the key to our, our game that we played with, with track was preparation. Just as we are preparing to run the race, we prepared the fundamentals of track. It's all in the handoff in a relay, okay? And so I'm going I'm to ask my brother here, you want to come up and join me? You can if you want. I'm going to teach you how to be an expert in track. Now, we're not going to run around the church. That's an entertainment we don't want to see, especially with me. Okay, so we're going to, we're, we're going to use this if you come up here. I'm going to have, ask you to face me from here, <clears throat> okay? And so this is a baton. And so the weird question, and you're going to be laughing at this, but we did this while we trained our track stars. Can I give you another um, secret? We never lost a relay in a tournament. Here's why. <clears throat> it has everything to do with the handoffs, okay? And so you mentioned you liked uh, the sports. So which hand, this is a strange question, which hand do you salute or uh, pledge to the flag? Your right hand, okay? So right starts with which letter of the alphabet? R. So right reminds me of your right hand. So you will receive in your right hand. The opposite hand is your left hand. So that reminds me of the letter L. Okay? So it then leaves you. So you receive and you give or leave. Okay? So now, <clears throat> if I were to give this baton to you, you would receive it with which hand? Right hand. Right hand. Okay, so then I would receive it with my right hand. Now, if I'm going to pass it to you, I'm going to pass it to you with which hand? Right hand. Wrong. I'm passing it to you. It's leaving me. Oh, You're on left. Right. That's right. good. That's perfect. Okay, so now, the other thing is not to look back. That's so important. And we're going to find out what Paul means when he says in chapter 3, verse 13, why that's the case. So... If you come this way a little bit and face that way, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm going to hand the baton to you, and I'm going to ask you to do this. When you are using your right hand, you're not going to look in back of you because I'm going to come up from behind you and give you the baton. Now, how will you know that I'm there? Because you will use the L, and you will put it this way and receive it and then put it in your left hand. Okay? So as you're looking that way, I'm coming... Facing this, not like this, but right there. Okay? So you're going to use the L, and I'm going to come up, and underneath, you can't look me, and I'm going to go like this, and you're going to take it. Now, I'm not going to let it go until you grab it for me. That's the key. Have you ever seen somebody drop a baton? So these are the little fundamentals. Thank you for your help. This is all you needed. So that's awesome. No? <clears throat> the young people love it when we do that, because then they start wanting to run around them like you can't run around. <clears throat> I know you really wanted to run. I know. This is awesome. So we won't tell anybody that you're going to uh, then leave here with the baton and run out the front door. Fair enough. That's good. <clears throat> Why do we use this? If you look 
one verse before. You don't need to turn there. But Philippians 3.13 says this. Brethren, I count now myself to have apprehended, but this thing, one, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. As we have turned from our wicked ways, we can't look back. We need to look forward and we need to keep our focus and our endurance on the Lord. Because you see, when we focus on the finish line, we see Jesus. And he has our prize. So not to look back. Many people on track look back for that baton. And it takes them 1.9 seconds to turn this way and go forward. If you multiply that by four, you could have lost the race by one second. And that would be one second too short. <clears throat> so the baton reminds us also of the word of God, the gospel. Because you see, when we receive the gospel, and remember earlier as Paul was encouraging those in Acts, that the ministry that he had and to testify of the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as he is receiving the gospel, he is passing it on to someone that he cares about. He is encouraging them. So the baton reminds us of receiving the gospel. And when you receive the gospel, don't keep it to yourself. If you have a favorite team and your team wins the championship, do you say, shh, don't tell anybody, but we just won the Super Bowl? No, you shout it from the mountaintop. You do everything you can. You book signs all over. And you, you're making an announcement. We won the game. Well, then, if you have eternal life, why can't we shout, we won the game? We have won eternity. We have won that crown of righteousness. We have the crown of life. Let's get excited about eternal life. So the baton reminds us of receiving and not holding on to us, but passing it on. Are you telling others that there's a way to win this race? And he provides a way for us to win and us not to keep it a secret. Above all else, the gospel is what God asks us to pass on to someone else. Because it is the power of God, Romans 1.16, it is the power of God to move people to believe and to believe in Jesus as their, their Savior and become saved. There's not a single person in here that Jesus didn't die for. So what does that mean to you and you and you and you and you and me? It means that when we trust Christ as Savior, we become part of his family. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. When we trust Jesus as a Savior, he calls us family. So my question, my friends, is what are you going to do with the baton when I've passed it to you today? What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? Are you going to take it, receive it, and believe it, and trust in him as Savior? Or are you going to drop it? Or are you going to fumble it? Or are you going to look backwards at the life that you are living and trust in yourself? It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now let's look at the faithfulness of Jesus as the faithful Savior. 
I have a question for those of you who are in group number two. You know, that group that was depart from me, I'll never know you. Oh, but pastor, that's not me. I come to church every Sunday. I give my offering every time I come to church. I serve in the church. I do things in the church. I help around. I help my neighbors when they need it. The things we say about our neighbors are true. We never gossip about them. The idea here is these are all works. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I made it to heaven, lest any man should boast. Jesus taught from Matthew 5 to 7, the Sermon on the Mount. He covered three chapters. And toward the end of that, and he started with the Lord's Prayer, and we'll do that later. Toward the end of his Sermon on the Mount, he was questioned a lot about the things that were going on. And he simply said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils in your name? Have we not done many wonderful works in your name? All about works. Watch what Jesus answers him in verse 23. It's, and you can look it up later. Matthew 7, 23 simply says, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So as you're in group number two, and you are entering into eternity before the throne, what is going to happen if you have not accepted Jesus as Savior? I urge you to turn to Revelation. Have you ever heard the cliche, we read the entire book and the last chapter, we know who wins? Well, let's turn to the last book, and the last book is Revelation. And Revelation 20 tells us all about what's going to happen to those people in group number two. I trust you're not in that group. Verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another, was, another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. <clears throat> and death and hell were delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Watch what happens in verse number 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. To those people in group number one, how does that affect you? You see, we're going to have front row seats. We will be in heaven. Can you imagine 
those being cast into the lake of fire in front of us? I'm not sure, but I know that my life, we have family members and friends that are not saved. I'm thinking that you might have some people that you know that are not saved. Your neighbors, family members, someone that you might work with. Can you imagine how you will feel when that person cries out to you, why didn't you tell me? As they are being cast into the lake of fire, depart from me, I never knew you. As God sends them to the lake of fire for eternity. I'm not sure if there's crying in heaven. But I'm sure that there's going to be some tears shed. When we realize that those people who we did not pass the baton to are being cast into the lake of fire. It's going to be a sad day. But heaven is supposed to be happy. Remember we said the last chapter to see who wins? The last chapter is verse, uh, chapter 21. If you'll go to, into chapter 21, verse 4 tells us, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there will be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Hmm. Skip forward to six. And he that sat up said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that thirst the fountain of water of life freely. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. So, if you're still in group number two, may I urge you to do something about that today? We talked earlier about turning around, that, that Paul was forward, he was forgetting those things which were behind and pressing toward those things which were before. It kind of reminds me of that verse in, in uh, Hebrews 12 that says, Wherefore, seeing we are also encompassed about with such great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. In other words, dragging us down. We can't run the race with sin. And let us run with endurance, run with patience, the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's called repenting. Turning around and facing in the right direction, being focused on the finish line, and there's where Jesus is. And if you are a part of group one, you will then hear, well done. How good and faithful. I'm sure that Jesus, with his disciples, went through the same issues, maybe not specifically that we are today, but same things of questioning scripture and interpreting scripture and questioning authority and all the things that are going on today were going back then in a different way. And Jesus said to them in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, how could we know where you're going and how to get there? And Jesus said unto them, the famous verse that we all know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way we're going to see heaven. It's the only way we're going to get there. Jesus, in John chapter 10, said, I am the door. By me, no man entereth in. Can you imagine, just imagine in your mind, a gate around a huge property, and there is only one way into that property, and that is Jesus. And if that property is the heaven, and you need to get there, there's only one way you're going to get in there, and that's to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. That's receiving the gospel and doing something about it. Oftentimes at the end zone in the sports games that we talked about, you'll see John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The gospel is given every time someone watches a Super Bowl in the end zone. And it simply says all we need to do is believe. Paul and Silas got in trouble for preaching the gospel. And they were thrown into prison. And in prison, they were singing hymns and encouraging others. And the Philippian jailer was like, how are you so happy? I want what you want. And the story goes on to say that there was an earthquake and they didn't escape. And he said, wow, this must be somebody that you serve. I want to know this God. What must I do to be saved? And in Acts 16, 31, Paul and Silas said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Have you ever wondered why he said, and thy house? Does that mean that if you come to the Lord, all of your family is saved? No, it gives you the privilege to then pass the baton to those in your family. The responsibility is now on your back. And Paul is telling them, and thy house means go tell someone. Have we done that? See, if we believe that he is the only way that we can receive God's eternal gift of, e of everlasting life, all we need to do is believe and receive. It's a free gift. May I encourage you to run the race like your life depends on it? Now it's time to finish the course. Who wants to win? Some of you have been running the race your own way. You've been running in one direction, and it's not toward God. While others have changed the directions, repented, and have now took a stand to run faithfully to the end toward the finish line. You have found that Jesus is the only way and now it's time to earn your prize. I believe the ultimate prize was done at Calvary. 
Jesus, on the cross, and I'm so glad you have that here. On the cross, he said, it is finished. That was the ultimate finishing of the course for all of mankind. And it says in John chapter 19, when Jesus therefore received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head, gave up the ghost. So what was finished? In Awana, we teach even the three and four-year-olds a verse from 1 John chapter 4. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. You see, his mission was to save his people from their sin. I submit to you, when Jesus said, it is finished, mission accomplished. I have a short minute and a half video that reflects, it is finished. It's gruesome to look at, but it reminds us of the penalty that these people in group two are going through. Jesus said, it is finished. Nick, if you have that. Imagine being at the foot of the cross and watching your Savior say, it is finished. The ultimate finishing of the course because his mission was to save his people from their sin. Someone once said, Jesus is the only person in history whose only purpose of being born was in order for him to die. I'm sure that you can't look at yourself and say the purpose I was born in order for me to die. Jesus is the only one in history whose only purpose of being born was in order for him to die. Now let's finish the story. So that you and I can live. 
Jesus is the only one in history that his purpose was to die so that you and I could live. Imagine the game clock counting down to zero. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. At any moment, God could call time. Then what? Where do you spend eternity? We sang earlier one of the hymns that I'd like to read the verses to. It's so appropriate. When the roll is called up yonder. Because that's what happens when Jesus says, time. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder I'll be there. On that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share, when his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Let us labor for the master till the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Imagine crossing the finish line into the arms of Jesus. You see, when we focus on the finish line, we see our Savior. And he has that prize, the prize that Paul said at the beginning. That he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me on that day. May you say with the Apostle Paul, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith.